get the full bonfire experience on your screen youtube.com slash bonfire sports thumbs up subscribe you'll know when we're live enjoy the games go banjo bowl 19 on tap ig field will transform into the madhouse on matheson saturday afternoon for in my opinion the biggest regular season game in canadian sports bar none bar none the riders enter winnipeg coming off a 32 30 overtime win in the labor day classic the bombers trying to hold off the BC Lions and the Rough Riders in the West Division. So much to get to on the pregame show, and we'll bring the man you paid to see in right now. Chris Walby, the legend, the Hall of Famer, the greatest offensive lineman to ever play the game. And maybe that's a bit of a, you know, I used to say that back in the radio days, Chris, maybe a subtle hint uh, of what's to come here on the program, but uh, how are you? How was your week? And how did you see that game shake out on Labor Day in Regina? Well, we watched it. As you know, I was at the lake and I had about 20 people. We pulled the TV outside, watched the game. It was so up and down. Uh, you know, I, I, even the way they started with the onside kick by Lothar, I thought was an incredible start by Saskatchewan. Listen, I, I, you know, I picked the Bombers to win that game. I really thought they would. I got to give this Dolagella credit, man. He really hung in there. He throws the ball extremely well. Uh, they just played well. Uh, yeah, aside from that uh, bonehead move by uh, Peters, uh, you know, the uh, rush end, uh, what's it, Pete, Rob Pete Robinson? What is his name? Is? Yeah, Robinson. Pete Robertson, yeah. Suspended yeah, one game, will not yeah. play today. And that will affect them. Now we'll find out how the replacements are going to do a lot of rotating, I hear. But having said that, I thought it was an exciting game. I know we didn't get the result we wanted there, DB, but I thought it was a great, uh, a great game. Very entertaining. It was. It was definitely entertaining. What wasn't so entertaining for Bombers fans, though, Chris, was the incredibly slow start for the yes. Bombers' offense. The special teams, both the return game and cover teams, not good at all. Not good at all. And... What's more concerning to you right now? Zach Kolaris, the uh, very sluggish start the Bombers have shown a few times this year, definitely showed it in the Labor Day Classic, or the special teams where there will be a change in the Banjo Bowl in Winnipeg's lineup. We will tell you those details in just a minute. What, what, what's, what scares you more? Well, I think it was a combination. I mean, obviously you want to get off to a good start. Zach was what? I believe it was three of five in the first, almost a quarter and a half. Very unzite uh, Zach like, um, they just struggled. It seemed like they were doing things. I mean, they've got great running game. They got an offensive line play, but they just didn't seem they could click on offense. And they can't get behind the eight ball early again, because you know Saskatchewan. The first thing they want to do is take the crowd out of it, right? You want to make sure they can put some points up quickly and make the Winnipeg crowd go away. But I'll say this: um, special teams. I'm not talking about kicking. I'm not talking about punting. But they're cover teams. And, and this has gone on. Calgary, Montreal. Now we saw Saskatchewan. Mario Alford, we talked about this on our podcast last week. Mario Alford can take it to the house every time. And it's a it's a game of field position. And they just keep getting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders excellent field position. They got the crowd. The 13th man was right behind them. Uh, you know, in, the Bombers really got And you know what? I know we'll talk about this, D.B., they miss Mike Miller big time. I never thought I'd going to say it. He's the GOAT, greatest of all time special team player. They do miss him, man. I mean, they need somebody to take the reins there, stay in their lanes, make sure they're covering smart, don't overlap, don't try to do too much, because if you let Alfred go again, he's going to beat us again. So, I mean, crazy. Yeah, I absolutely uh, agree with all of that. Uh, the, the special teams – the Bombers will make a change. We're going to get into the depth charts. We'll look at the Riders lineup changes. Yeah. And more notably, we'll look at the Blue Bombers lineup changes. Jamal Parker will enter as the punt and kick returner. Greg McRae has been moved to the practice roster. The Bombers uh, did a lot of juggling with their roster this week. Some players are ready to come off the six-game injured list. We're going to give you the details on that. We'll talk more about Zach Kolaris, Brady Oliveira, the Blue Bombers 
I don't know, Jekyll and Hyde offense, if you will. And we will get some perspective on the suspension on Pete Robertson, who will not play in the 19th annual Banjo Bowl Saturday afternoon at IG Field. But right now, very excited. Very, very excited for this, Chris. Banjo Bowl is a special game. And I thought, you know what? I think I should reach out and try to bring in a, a very special guest. The Banjo Bowl, often a reunion for fans here in Winnipeg as Ryder fans and Bomber fans from Saskatchewan make their pilgrimage east to the Manitoba capital. People, you know, catching up uh, end of summer, uh, you know, uh, reminiscent on old times, right? We're nearly at 20 Banjo Bowls right now. So let's bring in the man who named the game. Here he is. Troy Westwood, how are you, brother? Good to see you, man. You're good, boys. Westy, like old times, buddy, like yeah. old times. Like wow. the old times, yeah. Yeah, you know, I didn't know, and you know, uh, DB wouldn't tell me who it was until I saw your oh, show really? thing today. He just like, came on. I was, he knew God. immediately. You, well, be, big, you knew immediately. going on the show. Okay. <laughs> Well, great to see you, Westy. You know, like I got people reaching out to me all the time. What's Westy up to? What's going on? How is life right now? You look great. You sound great. And that's saying something because you were always looking and sounding great. I even wore my, look, I even wore my tight wow. uh, collar t-shirt <laughs> yeah. in homage to you, my friend. In homage to you, our old days at TSN radio and be like, oh yeah, Westy's got the, got the guns showing. How are you? Things are going great, man. Uh, professionally, with uh, my job is great, and then also the family's uh, happy, healthy. Everything's going fantastically in that manner. Oh, yeah. Spending a lot of time on the pitch, coaching U uh, fifteen soccer team with my son, and a fantastic squad we put together. So having lots of fun. Very busy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you do you miss us? That's what I want to know. Of course, so we had a lot of fun eating, watching the games. Both of us getting scared at times because you know Bluto would get angry at the officiating or something like that, right? <laughs> Bang the desk and, and we had a lot of fun. The desk. That was a lot of fun back in yeah. the old days. No, yeah. but uh, now your summers are a little bit free. Something, uh, you know, I often share with people is that, you know, you, both of you guys, you played the game for a long, long time. And then you both moved into broadcasting roles, television, radio, you know, now, now here with Bonfire Sports. You guys have never had your summers free. How does that freedom feel for you, Troy, now that you, you know, you got a young family or growing family, I should say, probably at this point, And, you know, you get to spend some time. Oh, boys, that's a great question. And I, when we first started at TSN um, in the morning show and then uh, under Chris Brook, I believe it was, OK, we're going to start covering the Bombers and doing the show that the three of us took part in. I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be so much fun, you know, talking Bombers and Bluto and DB and stuff like that. And then I remember the first game, I was like, it dawned on me at that point in time, I just gave up my freaking summer again. And I was like, holy cow. So, you know, the, the time frame uh, that sort of that you, that you give up to either be a part of the Bombers, to, to broad, be a part of the broadcasting situation, having summers is magical. That's for darn sure. Especially where we live, right? There's not a whole big uh, window for that. So. We do what we can to make sure that we cherish and have as much fun as possible on those warm days that are all too few for us. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, 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 I want to give a shout out. How's, how's my buddy that used to be at the broadcast booth all the time? Titus, I call him Trey. He calls me Santa, but Trey, how's Trey doing? Trey, and it's funny because your name came up again, Santa, for one of your, your legendary uh, Christmas party. <laughs> right? Mom's all Remember? geeked up, and I think she's training for that a little bit, but... uh. <laughs> but yeah, Trey's doing awesome, man. And he oh, he, he had so much fun coming and sleeping on the ground on the late nights or eating yeah. with us. And yeah. yeah, he loved he loved being around you, Bluto. Yeah, oh, I, you know guy. we we miss Trey a heck of a lot. Miss you too, Troy. That that's for sure. Uh, your perspective on the Bombers so far this season? Let's hear it. What's Westy's you know, take boys, on the blue and gold? I was speaking with Huss earlier today, and I I wonder, Chris, and of course you were. You know, you've got some jewelry on your fingers from a remarkable time frame. But I wonder if going back to either the heyday of the mid-80s there until the early 90s sort of thing or any of the Kenny Plain, Bud Grant, has there ever been a time frame that we're seeing here under Mike O'Shea of such richness for the organization? You know, is this, 
is this the absolute most glory sort of filled time frame? I, I wonder here, just under the direction of of um, O'Shea with Kyle Walters and uh, of course uh, Miller being at the helm of everything. But what they've done and what they've created yeah. is just magnificent, isn't it? And and you know the, that horrible era of Joe Mack and where you could pay someone ten grand more, offer ten grand more in the CFL, which is yeah. a sizable amount on a contract, and they would be, yeah, no, I'm not going to Winnipeg. Where now you got players taking pay cuts to come here just to be a part of the the culture and such. It's just such a it's so much fun to witness and watch, listen to people talk about. They've truly got something spectacular going on in there. You know, it's funny, uh, Westy. I, I look back and I you, great two uh, comments there. I think the '80s were great, but I think the Kenny Plain era, where they went, they won four Great Cups. That might yeah. be the closest thing to what they have. But you're a bang on the culture that O'Shea and Miller and Walters have created here. Have players wanting to play in Winnipeg now, taking a pay cut to play in Winnipeg, and they're perennial Great Cup champs every year. I mean, you you look at that one field goal they got blocked. That should, they could have been three in a row. So I mean, and they're in the you know they're in the hunt again. Um, you got to give credit where credit's due. This is probably the most dynamic years that I've seen as a former player and now as a fan. I think they've just done a great job, and I think that, uh, you know, I hate to throw that word dynasty out there, but I, I really believe they're creating something here. Yeah, and it's dynastic. At the very least, we can discuss it in, hey, this is knocking on the door of dyna uh, dynasty, and certainly within the realm of dynastic at this yeah. point, and such a wicked response to the drought. Right, like you've got already now. I think because of the time that's passed under O'Shea and the success, that you have a certain generation of Bomber fans are like, there was a drought. Who who are yeah, those losers that took part of the team from you know ninety one on in that whole generation of uh, Doug Brown and Stiegel and all those other losers that played on the team that didn't win a championship? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, who are those guys? What's that time frame all about? But the the, the, res the response to that drought to what has happened yeah, since absolutely. then, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, it's, an, it's just an afterthought now. People don't realize that, right? They've been spoiled with the riches that the team has. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch. I mean, but having said that, uh, Wes, I want to get your little feedback on the Bombers of late. I, I, listen, I don't want to put any um, connotations on this, but I don't feel like – it feels like Zach's a different kind of cat last in a while. Slow uncharacteristic throws, uh, trying to force situations, what I never saw him do before. Uh, you know, last week, another interception. I mean, he was three for five going into that. And, and I realize it's a combination, you know, as well as I do, the receivers, the offensive line, and everybody else. But it just seems like he's not, I don't, I don't want to say not a shark, but it just doesn't seem to gel right now. It seems like something's a little stalled. Yeah, like he's not at the level that he was at. And, and what is arguably, boys, for all of the leagues, all leagues, all sports, the the comeback story, what, what he did, right? When the Bombers first secured him, everybody was like nervous. The first shot he takes. And I remember we were in the room together, and I believe they were playing Calgary, and he got smoked. And I think yeah. we all stopped breathing. Right. And then he That's bounced right. up, and then, of course, has gone on to – accomplished what he has here, which has been it's such an incredible story. But I wonder you know, what you're talking about there, Bluto. There is, there, you are kind of seeing chinks in the armor a little bit right now. And you kind of wonder, you know, just he needs a bit of a bounce back. I don't think that hit that happened a couple of weeks ago that they called a neck injury and, you know, whomever, you know, whatever was up with that. But yeah, you just hope that he's okay and... And how, uh, Bluto, like I would think, the, is the majority of your concern based on him maybe not being as comfortable back there with arguably a weaker O-line? I don't think his O-line is weaker. I think that – and then again, I was just going to kind of come back with that and say, or are we so spoiled by the greatness of one Zach Kolaris that if he has a couple off games, we're ready to, you know, to slam the book and start being, you know, you know, kind of criticizing a positive criticism, but still criticizing a guy that we probably haven't done anything like that in the last three years. Yeah, Very, a great point. Yeah, and and plenty of time to salvage things, right? Like they're, they're sitting Absolutely. on top of the division, looking strong, and, and maybe just a little bit of a blip, Bluto. That like you're saying, and let's hope that's the case. What I've seen is 
Brady Oliveira elevating himself into yes. real star status. And I, yes. I've referred to him as, you know, that kind of real calm, consistent yep. presence in this Blue Bombers offense. Maybe that was Kolaris before. It is Brady Oliveira right now because when things aren't going so well, they can kind of just pound the rock. Chris, you yeah, know this can I interject well as, real quick there? Yeah, please. I, our family's known the Oliveira family for a while. So watching him blossom and grow here and especially resembling number 33 that was so meaningful to the team of the DNA. And I remember when I, I knew that was the way that he ran and that's the kind of player that he was. Like he was just, just like the same, cut from the same cloth as Andrew Harris, right? Like, but at first out of the gate, he didn't really resemble that too much. And I, there was just something holding him back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it seemed once Harris left, then he was able to really go bam and come in there and start like take over that role, grab that role with the team. Man, is that fun for me to watch. He just resembles Harris so very much in that manner. And it's just an absolute beast. I still think of that time, Troy, where the three of us were were in the studio doing a pregame or, or doing the the halftime or whatever it was. Andrew Harris had a you know a crazy run where he's pounding guys and the legs are churning and he's spinning off tackles. And I tweeted a gif of a tank in World War II just kind of rumbling along. Going, You're like, where did you find that? That's such a good gif. I think about that all the time because I'm still seeing Brady, or I'm now seeing Brady do the things that we saw Andrew Harris do for so long. Yeah. It's like the the mentor has you know the protege has become uh, the 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 master now in Brady Oliveira. And you know what I think everybody loves too is it's not only is he a great football player he's blossoming into a really great running back if he is not already I mean he's ten yards away from a thousand. It's what he does off the field that really impresses yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, he's such a great community. I mean his work with rescue dogs, what he does in a community, how he just got that. He's got that heart that you just want to go over and give the guy a hug every time you see him. So, yeah, and you know, his, you, his, you just wish him back Yeah. Yeah, his family is like that. Like the, the mom, the kids, they're just all top shelf great people like that. And I totally agree with you there, Bluto. Hey, Troy, tell me something. I'm curious your perspective on the Blue Bombers rookie Australian punter. Jam Sheehan, who is doing some kind of wild things, kicking the ball, sidewinders and overenders, all, all these things. What, what do you see in this young man? There was a tweet that came out last week about some dude. I think he's kicking, punting for New Orleans, I think. I can't recall for sure, but he was all tatted and jacked up, and, and he's from Australia. <laughs> and I right away, I sent it to Bob Cameron, and I sent it to John Ryan. And Bob was like, yeah, it's just, you know, blown away by just sort of the animals that the Australians are at this point in time coming over. And then I talked to John Ryan a, a while about it. And John said he's happy that the Australians hadn't invaded yet when he had the opportunity to go to the NFL and he played for 10 years. I think half of the punters right now in the NFL are Australian. And John Ryan says he thinks within five years, all punters in Canada will be Australian. Like it is an wow. incredible invasion here. And I, of course, am like, you know, I'm just thankful that basically kickers and punters were only Canadian during my time, right? I only had to worry about the kids basically coming out of the CIS sort of thing uh, that allowed me to play as long as they did for sure. But this whole thing with the Australians and what they're bringing to the table is just mind blowing. And like what you're talking there, DB, stylistically, it's insane. Yeah. Like they blow everything, anything, all the fantastic Obi-Wan-like teachings of Bob Cameron to everyone he ever talked about, about, you know, mastering the spiral and, and holding the ball a certain way. Like that, that, what they, they, they turn that upside down, like kicking the nose of the ball and, and end over end everything. And it's just bizarre to me what they're doing, completely revolutionizing that position and completely taking it over. It's truly awesome. Even doing, you know, wilder things that um, uh, Justin Medlock did. I remember watching him and be like, look at all these different things that he's doing, yeah. right? Like it's it's amped up to such a degree. And often fans will say like, oh, you know, his, his um, you know, punt average is low. It should be three, four, five yards longer. But you see the way he places the ball and the things he's trying to do with like drop it right near the sideline and it goes immediately out about no chance of a return, especially with yeah. this blue bombers special teams unit right now. That's as, that's it more is, valuable than getting five more yards on a punt. It's yeah. that Australian yeah. rules football that they got and they all punt. That's all they do all they're through the game there. Everybody's played it. Everybody's punting nonstop and they're just, 
taken over the punting world. It's it's awesome. Well, you know, you look at that Jamison kid. I mean, he's got nine punts inside the 10, which is tied for the league best. Uh, you know, and I've watched him, as you say. The returners say it's a difficult kick to catch because of the end of the over end. It, you know, most of them yeah. are used, as you say, Troy, you know, they got the spiral. Yeah. You got basically one end coming at you. Now with the ball, you got it going all kind of, you know, all over the place. So, I mean, that's probably why I never become a returner, even though I have great hands. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think you got great hands when they're doing this. Right? That's right. And the only, holding, the only other good thing about getting Aussies here, they better bring me some goddamn foster beer. <laughs> I, I got the best two myths to hold beer ever right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Handcrafted. <laughs> Westy, so so great to have you back, man. It like it just brings back all the memories of our nearly ten years doing, uh, uh, you know, bombers pregame, halftime, and postgame up, uh, you know, on the station. Um, you know, Walby and I haven't gotten to it yet, but it's obviously been the predominant storyline this week, and that is the headbutt that Zach Kolaris received from Pete Robertson in the Labor Day Classic, the one-game suspension, the CFL swiftly handed down a matter of hours, frankly, immediately the next day, uh, that, that afternoon uh, on, on the Labor Day Monday. Um, your thoughts uh, on that, Troy, and uh, you know the, maybe the landscape right now of uh, quarterbacks protecting them and, and how Zach Kolaris has been quite adamant and, and clear of how he feels the CFL is doing in that department. Yeah, they get a fail for protecting quarterbacks. And I, you know, I when I remember in the early days of sort of recognizing or people talking about that, even me as a fan slash kicker punter guy was like, protect the quarterbacks. That's just stupid. You can't protect a single position like that. And you know, and, and how how just completely different the game is today from 20 years ago with that thought. But Seeing the impact of that from a interest and financial standpoint for for leagues, like even the NFL, that it's like a third of the teams don't have quarterbacks that anybody would hold in particularly high regard. And that's exponentially more impactful and important with the CFL. So do you have to protect the quarterbacks in a football league and professional football? Yet yeah, you absolutely must must put things into effect that help to protect them more than any other position on the field. That's that's a no-brainer. Those are the most important stars of your league. So putting that into effect, and the, and the CFL is failing miserably at that at this point in time, I would say, in a general yeah. sense. What what they did for, for all of those zebras to not, like, to take a while to recognize what happened, how they all missed it is kind of crazy. And then for a command center, yes. I, I don't understand this part the very most. No. There should be connective tissue between command center and the head ref for situations that happen on the field that maybe all the refs miss and command center can can just like they do in soccer go down to the field down to the field say hey you guys missed this happen and then a guy like that in that situation gets tossed immediately that is so bush league that he didn't get thrown out of that game immediately it's just outrageous and there's got to be somehow communication between the head ref any of the refs and command center. They watched it over and over again in that room. They they broke down a play for five minutes after, soon after that, trying to get a result yeah. for God's sakes. They saw it happen, and for him to be in the game, that's just embarrassing as a league. And I know I came in hot as soon as it happened and said, hey, she got suspended for a year. I, you know, that's a little bit hot for sure, but I think one game is too little. I think it should be a two or three game offense. Now, pushing aside the concern we have about Zach Kalaros and that you know, part of his body, the head and the brain, all the rest of it, you just that that's an unforgivable assault or play on a quarterback. You just yeah. can't have that. So one game should teach him a lesson, probably right, no check, miss a game. But I would like to ideally have seen two or three games. I think in all sports across the board, boys, hockey, football, you name it, any sport suspensions are the ultimate enforcer and rule yeah. teacher for players, right? If you, if you hand down those suspensions with an iron fist, you will change the way players play a game. And so yeah. great that they suspended them for a game, but they just crapped the bed, not throwing them out of that game when the, it happened. The thing that gets me what? is that people, people drawing comparisons between that Pete Robertson headbutt and say Cam Lawson going helmet to helmet, yeah. 
sacking um, or, or hitting Jake Dolagala. One is between the whistles and between the white lines. Yeah. The other is five seconds after a play is over. Like yeah, one nice is football, one is not. That's confounding yes. to me. And then to hear Mike O'Shea talk this week, and, and if you missed it, uh, you guys can uh, all go back to uh, Bonfire Midweek with uh, Zach and I, break it all down, and, and O'Shea's comments after the game and then during the practice week, same with Zach Kolaris. But O'Shea saying, you know, his understanding is that there is that communication between Command Center in Toronto and the officials on the field. If an instance like that happens and a player should be ejected without question. Why can command center fail in that moment of something that is so critical to the game where Kolaris comes out and Pete Robertson can stay in, in a game yeah. that came right down to the finish, an overtime game with the, def the, the Rough Riders defense on the field. Pete Robertson was there and he was yeah. allowed to play. Yeah, see for me, it's about one more thing. And I, I think it's consistency. There's no consistency. You look at the one that I think Montreal that late hit when he dived on the ball when Zach threw the football up and tried to make something happen. He got intercepted in Montreal. Uh, yeah, it was Montreal. Uh, no penalty called on that one. That's where he jammed his neck. Then I look at some of these plays where a guy's hat accidentally brushes a quarterback's hat, helmet, and they're calling that. You need to have consistency on this call. I'm 100% with you. All you guys, protect the quarterbacks. They are your franchise. They are the straw that stirs the drink. The drink. You know, you got to have these guys healthy. Uh, but, again, be consistent. If you're going to call one, call them all. But, I mean, you can't start – part of me as an old lineman, part of me doesn't like seeing the game turn to uh, flag football. I do believe – well, no, and I agree with you. The Pete Robertson one was a jerk. I mean, it was a jerk-off move. You know, you shouldn't be even in the game. But the other ones I like is if you just touch the guy's helmet. All right, the ones that drive me the nuts is when a quarterback is going down. And the, and the DB or the linebacker or defensive lineman is trying to get under him to take him down, and they hit helmets. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're unavoidable. I yeah. mean, if you want to take care of everybody, we should have all the O-line and the D-line playing with those inflatable upside-down planters they're wearing in practice now, you know, those little planter hats. Uh, he, and Pluto, I think what you're talking about there is what DB was talking about. Hey, you know, when the play is – when it's live and it's between the whistles, that – that's one set of circumstances to try and create consistency, which can be a very delicate thing to do and difficult. But there is, it's when it's flagrant and with intent as it was in that situation, that's a, that's yeah. completely different, right? Like that's, it was that's where celebration. you drop the hammer and, and eradicate well, that right. sort of action. Yeah. Like Robertson knocks the ball down and he's celebrating. He's kind of flexing and he walks right up to Zach and, and headbutts him. Yeah. Waiters mentioning a comment here about, uh, you know, a moment in the game where Kolaris and Derek Moncrief for the riders went face mask to face mask. They were simply talking and their helmets came together, right? There was no headbutt. It was what's up, what's up, you know, like yeah. they're trash talking each other. It happens during the game. Kolaris talked about that this week, you know, like you get hit in the head. That's why there's a helmet. That's why there's a face mask. But after the play, that is the issue. It is not about contacting the head. It is about a guy doing something unnecessary that had nothing to do with football. And that's why Pete Robertson won't play in the banjo ball. Yeah. yeah and I don't have a problem with that. I'm just thinking the only thing I'm concerned, I shouldn't make the comparison, but when the Montreal guy dove on Zach way after the play, to me, again, that's a call. That's after the I agree. Yeah, I so agree. That is the only thing about consistency with that. Yeah. Uh, Westy, you know, appreciate your time, brother. This is awesome. Uh, be before you go, uh, would love to get your perspective um, on, uh, well, of course, the, the game that you helped name. Did you ever think 20 plus years ago when you made those comments to, a, you know, a, an ink stained wretch? A reporter that is uh, in the Blue Bombers locker room about banjo plucking inbreds in Saskatchewan. Do you ever think that we would still be talking about the banjo bowl decades later? There's a trophy they're going to hand out today, uh, Saturday. Yeah, no. And I remember Bobby, Bobby Cameron saying, don't say that, man, because he, <laughs> he knew that it would cause quite the uh, quite the uh, situation. And, but I thought it was too funny to not share, ended up sharing it. And, you know, perpetual kudos to the likes of David Asbury, Jerry Maslowski, and for Lyle Bauer of taking that situation and just making magic with it in this back-to-back -back situation that all the fans love in the Prairie Provinces. 
and basically it's a guaranteed sellout now for our bombers. It's you can't beat what it is. And it's just uh, between this weekend and the Labor Day weekend, it's two yeah. weeks of absolute bliss for all of us who love football in the prairies, and it's, it's just the best. No, no question. The only other thing I would add, uh, Joy, is you're the ambassador of this whole thing. You developed this thing. You're the creator. I wish they would take you out and bring you to every banjo bowl game and have you make the presentation. Uh, you could have some fun with it, but I just think you, you because you are the you, you're the man. I mean, you can't have somebody from you know whatever whatever it's Wade Miller. Or I don't know who even hands it out, or if they just put it on a sideline for the winning team to grab. Well, I can't. I just love to see. It. And then if the, you know Saskatchewan wins it, you punt it to them. <laughs> hey Westy, won't keep you for for uh, any longer. You get back to Trey and and your beautiful family and enjoy your uh, you know post Labor Day uh, summer weekend upcoming here. That uh, you know th these beautiful days uh, dwindling away, but so good to have you back with the boys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Westy. Miss you so much, brother. Take care, brothers. Always yeah. great seeing you, Blue Dome DB. Take care, boys. Yeah. Troy Westwood, the man who named the game, joining us here on Game Day Winnipeg Banjo Bowl Edition, the 19th iteration of this Prairie Rivalry rematch on tap Saturday afternoon at IG Field, a.k.a. the Madhouse on Matheson. Chris, Troy just mentioned it, guaranteed sellout every yeah. single year and kudos to hustler i think he was one of the guys that uh really led the charge of moving this game from sunday to saturday because uh, well you one know you know the what labor day weekend That's they give those point. rider That's fans great. or people traveling into the game a day to get home on sunday like yeah. bomber fans yeah. have coming back on the labor day monday also the nfl kicking off uh week one um on sunday but uh 33,000 plus will be on hand for this game. It's such a, a great atmosphere. You know, it's funny you say that too, because first off, I'll give a kudos to one of the guys on the comments. I, I mm -hmm. forgot, I didn't catch the name, but he's he's actually listening in from Tha Thailand. Thailand. Tha yes. So uh, that's crazy when you think about that. But hey, yeah, you know what? I totally forgot about the fact that one of my pet peeves was they're playing it on a Sunday. I hated Banjo Bowl on a Sunday. For the very fact that you just stated, nobody can really enjoy it. Nobody wants to get a little crazy because they got to drive home. So for me, this is fantastic. They come for the weekend. They have a great time. Bam. we got a great game. It's going to be great weather again. Nothing too hot. 22, 23. Sunny, though. Uh, we've been lucky. We we have just absolutely, absolutely. And that's a great comment there, SNAS. Uh, Westy is the all-time bomber leading scorer. He is. And I definitely think I definitely think that he should be in the running to be on that ring of honor. That'd be a well-deserved uh, honor for him that he, I, I would love to see that happen for him. Well, it's part of our heritage too, right? Like Westy's a local, he's a local kid, yeah. right? And played yeah. for so long for this team. And uh, yeah, the, the team's all-time leading he, scorer, Mr. 661, right? 661 consecutive converts made. Of course, when yeah, the converts yeah. were a lot shorter, but he was automatic. You know, it's funny, there was a comment, and I, we didn't get to it, and I apologize to the, to the guys, the great people on the line here. They wanted to ask uh, Westy his comments on Sergio Castillo. Yeah. And I didn't get that. I didn't get to that. But I'm sure he'd be saying, you know, that Sergio is the – he's playing very well. I mean, listen, uh, this is a game, and I'm going to go over to compare Saskatchewan now. Sergio at one time was 18-18. Right now, you go to Brett Lothar, he's 18 of his last 18. Mm -hmm. Five for five last week. Um, we got a, we got a game with two great kickers, absolute great kickers. The thing that differentiates me in the special teams, it's not the punting or the field goals, it's the return game. We got to find a returner. We missed Janarian Grath so bad. Uh, you know, he's a game breaker. And and I know they're going to go with Jamal Parker, and hopefully he can do some stuff. But when you got a guy that can really tear it up in Mar Mario Alford, boy, I tell you, that's to me when you go down and you go, Okay, advantage Bombers, advantage Saskatchewan. Big advantage Saskatchewan on the return game. Well, and and the other thing too is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll pull it up right now. That's the um, uh, the Blue Bombers depth chart for the 19th annual Banjo Bowl. And let's see if I can uh, get it straightened out here. Um, the uh, injured list has some changes this week. Now, 
Alden Darby placed on the six game injured list last week. Uh, Shane Gauthier remains on there as well. Janarian Grant has been on the six game for six games. He has now been placed on a second stint on the six game yeah. injured list. So it's going to be mm -hmm. October likely not for sure, but likely uh, before we see Janarian Grant back on the field, did not is not practicing uh, with the team yet. Mike Miller remains on the six-game injured list as well. Teadric Hansen closing in on a return. He will not play in the Banjo Bowl, but there are your changes from last week. In is Malik Clements, who comes off the six-game injured list, will line up at weak side linebacker uh, behind... Um, uh, Kyrie Wilson, uh, Jeremy Murphy, the Blue Bombers 2023 draft pick, Canadian receiver, uh, steps in as Greg McRae goes to the practice roster, fullback Connor Burtonshaw comes off. So Clements will play a lot of special teams, Chris, uh, and help spell uh, Adam Big Hill and Kyrie Wilson um, in uh, in the linebacking core. But nice to see Clements back. He's a player. Yeah, they're pretty happy to have him back. He's he's a, he's a he's a he's a ball hawk. He goes there. Uh, he's a heated missile. He loves contact. He's always around the football. Uh, before he got injured, he had 19 tackles, a couple of forced fumbles, interception. Listen, you got to love the way this guy plays football. So uh, it's a big addition to get a guy like that. And as you say, even on special teams, which I think they really had to take a look at when they looked at the, the you know, the McRae situation versus the mm -hmm. Clemens situation, you're not getting the return from McRae, but we got a great cover guy. And a guy that can lay the you know lay the leather on a returner in you know in Clemens. So to me, it's a smart move. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a fast player too. He can really yeah, run. So exactly. yeah. you can't keep letting these teams come in here and and basically own the return game. So I think it's a great move by the Bombers getting uh, Malik Clemens back. Yeah, there's Jamal Parker lining up at kick and punt returner in place of Greg McRae. McRae was handling kick returns. Parker punt returns. Parker will now take over both duties the blue bombers uh, offense as a whole relatively unchanged just uh the navy seal damian jackson at fullback uh he gets a little bit of he's getting more and more offensive uh snaps uh from game to game chris it's been interesting how winnipeg's offense uses tight end sets double tight end sets with dobson and tui ellie a lot of people out there saying his name wrong it's Asatui Eli or Tui as he goes, uh, you know, for short for uh, one of his first names, Tui Eli, Liam Dobson lining up at fullback or pardon me, lining up at tight end Jackson at fullback where Mike Miller would often be uh, when Prukop comes in on those short yardage plays. But Winnipeg's offense is so incredibly talented. However, they seem to still struggle, Chris with yeah. consistency what does winnipeg need to do in the banjo bowl to get a better start to have more consistency and to keep the riders on the ropes a little bit as far as you know looking up at the scoreboard and you know uh hopefully for the bombers seeing uh blue and gold in front well if you want what saskatchewan did they came in with the onside kick to start the game they recovered the football first play doligala goes deep Stretches that bomber defense, opens it up, open the field. Bombers got, you know, the CFL's got a wide open field, man. You know, 65 wide, 110 deep. Utilize that whole field. But guy, I said this last podcast, you got to make them run with the receiver, not have everything being played in front of you. I think the bombers got to take a page out of what they did and come out and throw the ball deep right away. They need to get Kenny Lawler involved. Uh, you know, in the last four games, he's had two catches a game. Uh, he, he is a weapon. You need to use Kenny, Kenny Lawler a lot better. You know, I, I just think that there's a way to get him involved, uh, but you got to at least stretch him, get him down there. We saw we did in overtime. He got the touchdown in the overtime, first pass. But he can do that all game. I mean, so that, that's the biggest thing for me. And then, again, I think, it, you know, we talked about this last week, bully ball. You know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I, and I love the fact that they can run this football, and I love the fact that Brady's on – Pays for a thousand yards, and he's got three hundred receiving. He's got nine touchdowns, three receiving, six rushing. Uh, he's having an outstanding. He's right now my MOP for Canadian. Uh, you know, I think he's just having that. Out. I, I, you know, that's my pick right now. I think that, uh, you know, what I'm looking on this team. Uh, there's a couple guys. Obviously, obviously, Nick Dembski is, you know, he's in that running as well. 
But I just think what Brady's done and how he's blossomed this year, and uh, not only catching the football to the backfield, but also running the football, uh, you know, to me it's uh, it's a testament to this team. And I know some people are saying the old line is too old. Listen, they're still doing a great job getting holes. They're still doing it, but they need to come together. They need to get on page again, on the same page. Seems like there's some, uh, you know, they're making uh, mistakes, which they never used to. That could be a blitz coming in and not picking it up properly. Uh, you know, a misread, a, a misroute by a receiver. A number of things that are just, we saw uncharacteristic drops last week. Uh, I saw. I don't think you know, that was no, a determining no, factor, though. It's not a determining factor, but we're spoiled. We're spoiled because right. normally everybody comes in with their radius. They're catching. Well, did you hear Jeff Hamilton? Uh, Jeff Hamilton's exchange with uh, Zach Kolaris following the Labor Day Classic. It was only sixty seconds, the entirety of Kolaris's media availability, um, but they got a lot in there. And you know, one of Jeff's final questions after they talked about the headbutt and all that sort of stuff was, you know, how can you account for the slow starts on offense? Uh, Jeff Hamilton said, "This offense is prolific. How do you account mm. for it?" And Kalaris stopped himself from saying it, but he's like, are we prolific? Because they really haven't been playing anywhere near up to their potential. So you can talk about special teams and you can talk about the defense playing 10 yards off the receiver and this, that. The fact of the matter is Winnipeg should be scoring way more points than they are right now with their offense. Yeah, I mean, they got all the weapons. I mean, most teams in the CFL would love to have the group of receivers, running backs, and O-line that the Bombers have on offense. Uh, but like I said, they just seem to be able to sink a little bit. And, you know, it's a 12-man game, right? You're on offense. Well, all you need is one guy making a mistake, and then, you know, that play is defeated. I think they're going to come out, and I think they're a hungry team. I think they're an angry team. I think they want redemption. Uh, I really think the Bombers are going to come in out, out tomorrow and lay a beating on these guys. Now, it's interesting. There's a comment by comment there, Jackson. You know, if you go back and look now, people are saying, what are they ta- how, they've taken our defensive ends out of the game. Every team we're playing right now, they've taken them out. Um, uh, Willie Jefferson hasn't had a sack for uh, the last five games. Jackson Jeffcoat, no sacks last four games. These are two of the most prolific pass rushers in the CFL. Teams are absolutely gaming against them. They're chipping with running backs. They're bringing receivers in. They're crack blocking them, which means they're bringing somebody from the outside down. They're doing everything they can to take Willie and Jackson out of this game. So that means I need some. I need the other guys to step up. I need your Ricky, uh, you know, Ricky uh, Walker. I need I need Jake, who's having a great year of five sacks. Linebackers, get in there. You gotta you gotta get into this Dolagala's face, man. Uh, if you go and look at Dolagala's history with the NFL, and he's had a cup of coffee with a number of teams. His big complaint was, you know, what they said. He throws a damn. T- he throws the ball too damn hard. He has no touch. Maybe so for college receivers, <laughs> but pros yeah. should pros should but appreciate that. But every one of them said, and I watched a scouting report on him. Every mm-hmm. one of them said, "But he'll put the ball where it needs to be." Yep. That's all you watched it. Did you see a couple of his passes last week? Uh, the Mitch picked in one on the sideline, uh, right over the. I mean, he's smart. You know, He's a smart quarterback. Very smart. And getting more confidence. Well, and that comes with with every game he plays. He's won won two games in a row. He's beat two great teams in BC and Winnipeg. So, I mean, you know, he's got something to hang his hat on right now. And I think if you want to stop the the Dollagala train, you got to get after him. He hasn't been sacked, I don't believe. Hasn't thrown. He has one interception. Hasn't thrown the last two weeks in interception. He's got four touchdowns, um, none against the Bombers last week. But having said that, let him down the field where uh, Lothar kicked five field goals. Can they live off field goals again? No. They're going to have to put the ball in the end zone, but so are the Bombers. You know what I'm talking? Bombers need to put some big points. And, and they got to pull away. Yeah. And I think you hit on that. You just, the, the number one thing for me is you cannot slow start again. They've done it three games in a row on Montreal. Um, you know, the last game, and then again, obviously against uh, Saskatchewan. You can't do that. You just can't do that. Want to respond um, to uh, One Bird Fun Bird, who's watching live on YouTube. Everybody out there in the live chat, great to see you. Thanks for joining us here uh, on the pregame show. Uh, 
bombing. They got 97 their last two home games, the, the Blue Bombers. I understand Watch. that, but they scored uh, eight or 19 points against Calgary. They scored 29, or pardon me, um, they scored... It's just, What I'm trying to say is it's not consistent. They yeah. should be consistently scoring more. It's really the slow starts. They should be scoring early and more consistently. Um, it's, you know, uh, pick sixes are, are a lot of those points too. So, you know, I, I understand. But you got to throw in there. And that is that the defensive teams are scouting them pretty good now. Hey, Chris, I, I want to mention, before we get to your keys to the game, I do have to mention Heart to Home Meals. New sponsor here on Bonfire Sports. Heart to Home Meals believes life should get easier with age. That's why Heart to Home has created a service with lifestyle, tastes, and nutrition in mind. Order online or by phone, and one of their friendly... Oh, pardon me. One of their friendly... Um, Delivery team members. Oh, hang on. I'll get it here. There we go. Uh, one of their friendly team members um, will have delicious meals delivered uh, straight to your door. No contracts. Order as often or as little as you like. It's easy. Hearttohomemeals.ca or call 1-866-933-1516. Uh, great to see them uh, on board here um on bonfire sports and uh thank you as always for your support and then of course it's football season the winnipeg wolf pack a group of tackle football players in our community age 16 and up the wolf pack welcome a diverse group of athletes who love the game and they travel to play in different cities across western canada experienced coaches promote growth and development in every player and work to grow women's football Wolfpack, currently recruiting athletes who want to be empowered and find new opportunities within the game. While playing games right here in Winnipeg, the Wolfpack are looking forward to upcoming travel events in Canada and the United States. In just a couple weeks, they will go down the road to North Dakota, September 23rd. If you want to play football, you know a young female who wants to play football? Get more details at info.wpgwolfpack.com at gmail.com. So big thanks to Winnipeg Wolfpack uh, and Heart to Home Meals. Uh, Chris, uh, everybody can find more information on them in the video description below. Let's get to your keys to the game. Uh, critical for the Blue Bombers to accomplish, to get back on the winning track and not allow Saskatchewan to move to seven and five, which would put them just two games back of Winnipeg for first place in the West. Oh, this is also the game. Uh, they're one and one, right? So this is season series, which is a huge thing. I think on offense, we've talked about this. We beat this to death already. I mean, they got to get off to a better start. So I, I really do believe that, you know, I, I, I want to see bully ball continue. I love the fact they run the ball effectively. But I got to say something, and that is if you want to run the ball even more effectively, you got to stretch this defense. So if I'm Winnipeg, I'm throwing a number of deep balls right off the bat. I'm coming right out there, and I'm saying, you know what, I'm threatening you right now. I'm going to make those DBs run over receivers. I'm going to get Kenny Lawler, and I know it's all about Dalton Schoen and those other guys, but I'm going to get Kenny Lawler involved early and often. On defense, you know, you got to dog Dolagala. you got to get after him. I mean, this is a guy who's getting way too comfortable. He's got two wins against two great teams. And you got to keep Saskatchewan in second along. They are not a very good team if you put them in second along. They're, last week, they're only 8 of 23, which is like 35%. So that's what you have to do. And on special teams, one thing, I've said this and I'll say it again, tighten up on those coverage games, man. You cannot let any returner, in this case, Mario Alford, have a game like he did last week because you start losing the game of field position, you're going to lose the game. I like it. I like it. I like Chris, it. Uh, uh, you got final thoughts uh, outside of your keys uh, as we wrap things up here on Game Day Winnipeg, Banjo Bowl edition. You know what? My biggest thought is that I, I, I actually had so many people wanting tickets to go yeah. to this game. It's a hot ticket. Then I end up, then I end up giving my tickets away. Uh, uh, just to special people in my life who are wanting to really go to the game, some who haven't been to a game. I wanted them to experience that banjo bowl experience. Um, I just think it's going to be a great game, and I'm just looking forward. That might be them right now. They're, they're calling the for tickets oh, right now. No more tickets, guys. Get away. 
So yeah. I just think it's going to be a great game. Bombers are going to win. I'm telling you right now. And I'm going to say by 12 points. Okay. Wow. That's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. Uh, bombers are eight and a half point favorites. Uh, SIA.com slash bonfire. If you want to put a little sprinkle on the game, uh, get yourself a nice bonus there. But uh, um, on that point, um, if you're going to the game or if you're not, we will have post-game coverage here on Bonfire Sports, as we always do. Pre-game, post-game, every game. It's game day after dark with myself and Zach Schnitzer. Uh, just a few minutes after the final gun. Join us for that. Uh, NFL football is on tap. Should mention, we got some NFL coverage coming consistently yeah. to Bonfire Sports. We're going to have something up later today, hopefully. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so great to see Westy and have yeah, him on the program. I love him, but I want to get this one more point in. And yep. I know we talked about this pre-podcast. Chris Trevler's in town. Yes, he is. Uh, Chris Trevler will be at the game, but he is now, I believe, he's going to be at Princess Auto today. So I'm not sure which Princess Auto he is at, but he's going to be signing autographs this afternoon, and he'll be at the Banjo Ball again. So it'll be great to see Chris. And uh, I know right now he's looking for another opportunity. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see old Strebby back in the CFL next year. Well, you, you never know. You never know. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. Same deal with uh, Bombers 2022 draft pick Tyrell Ford uh, cut by the Green Bay Packers. Not this year, maybe next year, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, as we always do, Chris, uh, I leave it to you to uh, get everybody fired up ahead of the Banjo Bowl. It's going to be a dandy. You know what? You ever see that show with Burt Reynolds? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, like in Hawaii? Yeah. Down, 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 down. No. What? No, the one where you're on a canoe trip. It's on a canoe trip. You know, and they got the, they got the kid playing the banjo and his buddy plays the banjo. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're talking you know? uh, deliverance. Deliverance. Oh, the man. Deliverance to the Rough Riders tomorrow. There you go, buddy. All right, down, 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 down. Woohoo! All right, guys. Adios, my friends. Have a great day. Watch out if you're having margaritas. Bye-bye. Ha, <laughs> ha,